Hard to believe, right? Christmas is almost upon us once again. Now, Christmas is one of the world's most loved holidays. Any of you don't like Christmas? Now, a new survey found that no one hates Christmas. 500 people were surveyed. 86% said they enjoy it a lot. 13% said they somewhat enjoy it. One, but only 1% one said they only enjoy it a little bit. But not a single one of them said they hate Christmas. There's something special about Christmas. Maybe it's the snow, the fake snow, right? Maybe it's the winter theme, right? Maybe because we have only summer in Singapore, so we wanted to see some fake snow. Maybe it's the long holiday break. Everyone's clearing leave. Parents are taking leave to spend time with your kids. Right? Maybe it's decorating the Christmas tree. Maybe it's the yummy chocolates, the candies, the Christmas light-ups. And who can forget the presents? Everyone loves Christmas. But it wasn't always that way. And today, you have read so far about the first Christmas. The first Christmas was actually hated. The first Christmas brought disaster and death. There were two very distinct responses to the coming of Jesus the Christ. One was to worship him. The second was, he is trouble. Get rid of him. For the past few months, those who have been with us, we have been studying through and preaching through the book three of the, of the Psalms. And it's a very heavy series of Psalms. And I trust that many of us have been crying out together with the Psalmist to God for a saviour, for a king from the ancient lineage of David. And Psalm 89 actually ended with this plea. Lord, where is your steadfast love of all, which by your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, O Lord, how your servants are mocked, how I bear in my heart the insults of all the many nations, with which your enemies mock, O Lord, with which they mock the footsteps of your anointed. After 400 years of silence, God finally answers in the Gospel of Matthew, as preached by Pastor Daniel last week. Through the birth of Jesus the Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, God keeps his steadfast love and his faithfulness not only to David, but also to Abraham. Jesus' name from the Greek Esos actually comes from the Hebrew name Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And Christ, from the Greek Christos, actually comes from the Hebrew word we know as Messiah. And Messiah means God's chosen or anointed one, specifically from David's lineage, a Davidic king. So Jesus, the, Jesus Christ Christ is not Jesus' surname. Right? It's a title. 
Jesus Christ, his name literally means God's promised chosen Savior. And that's why Paul would also write in 2 Corinthians, no matter what you have gone through, no matter how many tears you shed, no matter your laments, right? God hasn't broken His promises. No matter how many promises God has made, they are all answered yes in Christ. Now let's go back to the passage. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Did we read that correctly? Foreigners, outsiders, seeking to worship Jesus the Christ? Now, this is the first story after Jesus' birth. And it opens with Magi, or wise men, from the ESV, coming a long way, travelling a long way, to worship the new king born in Judea. These Magi were the ministers in the Persian kingdom who read changes in the stars. And the Persian king had most likely sent them to congratulate the newly enthroned Jewish king. For example, just like how Singapore sent delegates and our PM even congratulated Charles III when he was crowned the king of the United Kingdom. And these Magi, they had entered Jerusalem with a large caravan of camels and soldiers, no doubt attracting much of the city's attention. Persian Babylon was after all very far away. More than a hundred days' journey across deserts and mountains, they needed the food and the water and the soldiers to protect them from robbers, from wild animals, especially at night. Now, where would you normally find a king? Where would you normally find a king? In the palace, of course. Right. And where's the palace? Usually it's in the capital, in Jerusalem, of course. And, where, and that's where the Magi headed to Herod's palace in Jerusalem to find the newborn Jewish king. Let's remember here that the Magi, they were foreigners. They were strangers to the land. They were not Jews. They would not know the Old Testament, and they wouldn't know God's promises to Abraham and David. But the foreigners, the outsiders, they came seeking to worship Jesus the Christ. Now, Herod the Great was appointed by the Romans as the king of the Jews. He was part Jew, right? He had and he, history had told us that he achieved rule by much warfare and politics, not by birthright. And he had likely among his court prophets, uh, priests, right, who supported 
his kingship, perhaps even in a messianic sense, because he needed something to validate his position. Now, can, so can you imagine how happy Herod must have felt as he saw the large caravan bearing so many presents coming to him? How happy he must have seen. But his happiness quickly vaporized, poof, right? As soon as the Magi spoke. The Magi asked, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Herod must have thought, worship, worship who? But I am the king of the Jews. Right? Imagine, of course he didn't say it out loud. Imagine his, his shock and his horror inside his heart. It's as if like, someone, is, someone came to your housewarming you just bought a new apartment, you invited guests, right? And they came to your housewarming and they asked you, where's the house owner? Right? It's like someone coming to your birthday party and asking you, where's the birthday boy or girl? So Matthew tells us that when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. But was he the only one troubled? No. Right? Matthew 3, Matthew verse 3 tells us that all Jerusalem was troubled with him. Insiders, Herod and all Jerusalem were troubled at the coming of Christ. Why? Shouldn't they be rejoicing? because their Jewish saviour has finally come after 400 years? No. Because having a new Jewish king is a threat to their status quo. And especially to Herod and the ministers and the prophets and the priests who supported him. They might lose all their wealth, their power and their positions. So Herod hurriedly summoned all religious Bible study experts. And experts confirmed from Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that God's promised chosen Savior from the ancient line of David, aka also known as Christ the Messiah, would be born in the town of Bethlehem, Judah, just south of the capital. And he told, they told him, in Bethlehem of Judah, for so is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. After that, then Herod secretly met again with the Magi, to find out when they saw the star appear. Then he sent them off and told them to remember, please come back and report back to me. And he even told them the reason why, because he wanted to go and worship the Christ. Wow! Isn't Herod 
so gracious? Doesn't he sound so gracious? The truth was that Herod was hatching a wicked plot. The Christ child was a threat to the status quo, power and wealth. The Christ must be removed. And after listening to the king, the Magi, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, how much joy is that? Rejoice exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Foreigners, outsiders, rejoiced and worshipped the Christ. The, what about the insiders then? The insiders, Herod, and all the Jerusalem and the religious elite, they were troubled. But foreign outsiders rejoiced exceedingly and worshipped the Christ. And the Christ is not even their king. The Christ is God's long-promised saviour king for the Jews. Yet none of the Jewish religious elite, where are they? None of them are there. Not a priest, not a prophet, not even a scribe, not even a reporter. Right? Where were they? In Jerusalem. Trouble. To them, Christ equals trouble. And we begin to start wondering who are the true believers. Is it the Magi or the Jews? Who are the true believers? The Magi offered to the Christ child kingly gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold as a symbol of Christ's kingship on earth. Frankincense as a symbol, as incense, as a symbol of Christ's godhood, his deity. And myrrh, and, um, and a perfume, an embalming oil as a symbol of Christ's death and mortality. And please note that did, did anyone else receive gifts? Did, did the Magi give gifts to Mary or Joseph? Note that Christ, the Christ child, was the only one deserving of receiving the, the gifts. And I wonder why, as a side note, why are we gifting each other presents during Christmas? Did we get something wrong about Christmas? Right. Maybe the focus. Then, then God then warned the Magi in a dream to not report back to Herod. God also sent an angel to tell Joseph to take Mary and Jesus to flee to Egypt. The Magi, Joseph and Mary, none of them could have known of Herod's plot to kill Jesus. 
Now, if God hadn't intervened, how could they have escaped the plots of evil men? How could they? God protected the Christ. God was actively involved from the point of Christ's conception in the womb, as uh, Pastor Daniel um, spoke about last week. In fact, God has been preserving Christ the Saviour through David's and Abraham's lineage all along. That's why Matthew listed the genealogy of Jesus the Christ in chapter 1. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Such is the steadfast love and faithfulness of God. God's promises, they are eternal and they are always true. And the detour, the detour to Egypt, was it just a random place? No. Matthew tells us that it actually fulfills Hosea uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Out of Egypt, I called my son. In Hosea itself, the son was actually referring to the nation of Israel. It was about God's rescue of Israel out of Egypt through the exodus in the, in the Old Testament. Now, just as God had used Moses in the exodus, God now is raising a greater Moses for a greater exodus. And this time is not out of physical slavery, but out of spiritual slavery to sin and death. Now, what's the point that Matthew is making? He's saying that Christ Jesus is both the new Israel and the greater Moses, in whom all believers, including outsiders like the Magi and us, will be saved. But all of this, all of this almost didn't happen at all. Right? Herod had secretly hoped to, to kill off the Christ child upon the Magi's report back to him. But God spoiled his evil plans. Now Herod could no longer even know who the Christ child is. Is there any way of him knowing? No. He couldn't he could no longer remove his problem, his threat, secretly anymore. Now, any less determined person would have given up at this point. I would have. But Herod didn't. He didn't give up. He persisted. He persisted in his wickedness. He must hunt down and be rid of the Christ child. So Herod did, did the unthinkable. The insider Herod, the king of the Jews, massacred the children of his own people. The king, who is supposed to protect and shield his people from harm, he sent and killed all the male children who were two years old and below. Throughout Bethlehem and all the villages nearby. He spared none of them. 
even though they were just innocent little children. I, I can't even begin to imagine the pain, the betrayal that the parents felt. It must seem as though the last plague of the Exodus, the plague of the firstborn, had been inflicted back upon them. And Matthew states that it fulfilled Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15. Thus says the Lord, A voice is heard in Ramah, lamenting and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children, and she refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Now, Jeremiah 31, verse 15, was actually specifically talking about the time when Judah was destroyed by Babylon in 586 BC. Now, Ramah was a processing center in, in the tribe of Benjamin. During the time when Jewish children like Daniel, the prophet Daniel and his friends, were carried off as prisoners to Babylon, what Herod had actually done was worse. Right? Their children were yanked out from their parents' arms and they were killed in front of their eyes. Not by enemy soldiers, but by their own soldiers, ordered by their own king. All for what? all for Herod's own self-preservation, for his self-rule, so that he can hold on to the things he wants, his power and authority. And that was actually what happened during the first Christmas. Very different responses to the coming of Jesus the Christ. The non-believing Magi, they thought they worshipped Jesus. Israel's ruler seeks to kill the Christ, God's chosen saviour, and even murders innocent children to keep his throne. He's actually worse than a pagan king. And all about Jerusalem's religious elite, the priests, the scribes, the Bible study experts, the people who knew the Bible well and said they believed in God and were supposed to be waiting for Christ the Saviour. What did they do? Where are they? They did nothing. They didn't go to worship Christ. They didn't stop Herod. Instead, Christ was trouble for them. And they feared, because they feared change more than they longed for God's Savior. Now, what about you and me? Are we more like the non believing insider? or the believing outsider? Are we concerned more about ourselves? 
Like for example, am I going to get that present I asked for from my parents? That new gadget or toy I asked from my wife? Are you going to get upset when you don't get what you want? Does the Christ in Christmas mean trouble for you? Does the Christ in Christmas mean trouble for you? Actually, yes. Right? Following Jesus does not mean a trouble-free life. In fact, Christ promised trouble for his followers. We struggle in with trouble because of our sinful nature. And, and we struggle because following Christ means giving up our self-rule. And that is so hard. Every time you you think that you have you are God has dealt with you over some sin, God picks another one for you to deal with. But if we are willing to give up self-rule, if we are willing to worship Him as the Lord of our lives, He becomes the Lord of peace. Christmas is not about us. Christmas, Christmas is about worshipping Christ. God's chosen Savior promised long ago. Christmas is about God keeping His promises, His steadfast love and His faithfulness. And we can worship Christ by being thankful for God for saving us in Jesus. He kept His promises through the thousands of years, even to Eve. We can be thankful for the gracious ones God has already given to us, our families, our spouses, our parents, our children. No, no matter sometimes how annoying they are, Write. Write and hang notes of thanksgiving on the Christmas tree. Right? Serve others that you know Jesus cares for, starting with your own family, your parents, even your children. Giving, giving to the less fortunate, to the orphans. Serving in soup kitchens. Love the outsiders who need the gospel, who Jesus also loves. So let me end by asking you again, what's your response to the coming of Christ? Is Jesus trouble for you? He can be your lot of peace if, you, if we give up our self-rule. Come, let us pray. Lord Father, we thank you. Thank you that you have sent us uh, Jesus Christ. And we pray that, Lord, uh, that uh, we will not make Christmas about ourselves. Lord, we pray that, Lord, during this season, we'll remember 
what Christ came for. And we pray that, Lord, we will learn to worship Him, um, that we will surrender our, our rule, self-rule to Him, and may He become our Lord of peace. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen.